Hey guys, welcome to Pillar Talk, where we're trying to create a valuable resource for post-acute leaders in hopes that we can make our care setting better together. All right, today we get to cover the, the forbidden A word, accountability, my favorite subject. Uh, definitely something I think we need to collectively get better at. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, let's talk a little bit about accountability. I think um, I think this is something that we all can get better at, we all can get more comfortable with, and it's something that uh, we certainly need uh, and need to be very good at when it comes to leaders in the post-acute care setting and leaders really anywhere. So I'm going tell you a little bit about my first kind of exposure to accountability, right? I've told you guys before, for those of you that have listened to other episodes, um, that I, you know, I spent some time in the army. And prior to the army, I didn't have a ton of discipline um, or a ton of accountability in my life. I had had some people that cared about me that tried to hold me accountable. But like most rebellious teenagers, I looked at that as them being crusty adults that uh, didn't know what they were talking about. So I was very much exposed to accountability hard and fast in uh, during my time of basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia. So um, I, I would tell you a little bit about that. Obviously, it's a little bit different than the leadership that we're talking about today in the post-acute care setting, but I took some very valuable lessons from my time there that I think we can apply at least the concepts to what we do. And I've been able to in different sales leadership's positions, in my own personal accountability, you know, I've been able to use some of those lessons learned. So let me just kind of break it down for you guys. For those of you that haven't been to basic training, and for those of you that haven't been to army basic training, um, there's kind of three phases to, to that basic indoctrination, if you will, to the United States Army. Um, You know, right when you get to wherever you're going to for basic training, you're kind of in the, you don't know any of this, right? You have no idea what's going on. You learn this afterwards. Sometimes if you do research, there's probably some people that have been to basic training that still haven't really necessarily learned the science behind it. Uh, You just think people are yelling at you, which, which they do. They do a lot of that. But, um, you know, there's, there's these three phases, right? And, w- and when you first get there, you don't realize this, but you're in this red phase, okay? Each phase lasts about three or four weeks, depending on how well you and the group of individuals that you're going through this uh, this experience with, how, how well you learn in each phase. But um, there's a red phase, right? When you get there, this you go from, you know, you're, you've been a civilian and now you're here. And now we need to get you to understand our way of doing things and get you to forget about everything you've learned in the first 18 or 22 years of your life. And there's much wider age range than that for people in basic training, but roughly you're you're dealing with young men and women that are kind of in that 18 to 22 range. And, um, you know, during that phase, it's miserable. You have zero freedom. Um, You cannot do anything correctly. Everything you do is wrong. You make a ton of mistakes. And it's basically just intended 
a month of your life is just intended to show you how much you suck at life. Like you're just terrible at everything. You don't do a good job and um, you basically are, are learning that you need the army and you need your trusty, loving drill sergeants to look after you and show you the way. You need you need help is basically what you need to learn in that phase. Uh, and they're going to be there. Those drill sergeants are going to be there to hold you accountable every step of the way. They're going to make sure you know how to make a bed. They're going to make sure you relearn how to fold your clothes, how to pair your socks, how to do laundry, how to eat, how to work out, all of that stuff. They are there to hold you accountable because... You have not yet earned the right to be able to hold yourself accountable. So they're there to help you out because they're your friends. <laughs> they are not your friends. Just they never become your friends in any of these phases. Just spoiler alert. Um, but as you kind of learn the Army way, you learn the way things go, you kind of you get a little bit more freedom, right? They, they start to make you feel like you suck a little less. You still suck. You're still not good at much. But you're starting to learn to to suck together, right? You're kind of banding together with the other people that are going through this experience with you. You still don't do much right. You're kind of, now we're getting into this white phase, right? We were in the red phase. Now we've kind of moved into the white phase. Um, But you're learning the way the army, right? You're learning that if you trust the way that they say to do it, you suck a little less. Things get a little bit easier. You get a little bit more freedom. Uh, You learn to trust the methods that they're kind of trying to teach you. And you learn to love your brothers, right? You learn to trust the guy next to you, on each side of you, behind you, in front of you. Those guys have your back because they're right there sucking with you, right? Like everything sucks together, but it's a lot better. That collective group suck makes it suck a little less. And your collective hatred for the drill sergeant, who is not your friend, bands you together. So now all of a sudden... From phase one, where you have to be held accountable by that drill sergeant, into phase two, the white phase, now all of a sudden, you're starting to hold each other accountable a little bit more, right? You're evolving. You're starting to look out for one another, trying to make sure your guys are doing the right thing, that people are looking out for you, making sure you're folding your stuff right, making your bed right, doing what you're supposed to, pushing yourself, doing everything that you're supposed to, and you're kind of holding each other accountable. So you've evolved a little bit from needing someone else to hold your hand for everything to now you and your teammates are kind of holding each other's hand for everything, making sure that you have each other's back, making sure someone else is looking out for you. So you show up and it's just kind of you versus everybody or you on an island. That's what you feel like, right? And that that white phase, now all of a sudden you feel like, okay, I got like 50 buddies that are all dealing with the same stuff I am. If we do this together, we're going to get yelled at a little bit less. We're going to do stuff a little bit better as a team. We're going to learn a little bit faster because, you know, 50 brains are better than one. So you start to kind of really gel, you know, and, and come together, and that's intended, right? And then after you've been there a little bit, so you go from they held you accountable to your brothers are holding you accountable to now you're getting into this blue phase. You're getting ready to graduate and go on to your next phase of training, your next level of training where you where you will learn your specific job. But this is the phase where you kind of suck the least, right? You still suck. They still don't think you're very good at very much. But you now know that you need each other. You now know that you need the Army, right? And you now know that if you do what the Army tells you to do and you have your brothers back, 
you start to feel pretty much invincible. You believe that you can do anything. And that's what they need you to do, right? They need this. We, we need soldiers to believe that they, they are unstoppable, that they can complete the mission, that they can do whatever they set their mind to as long as they have, you know, the army support and that they have one another's support. You have those two things, you pretty much can accomplish anything, at least you believe that, right? And so now you get into this third evolution of yourself where now you're such an important part of the team that you start to hold yourself accountable. And that's kind of like the peak of accountability, right? Is that if you you don't want to let your brothers down, you don't want to let the team down, you don't want to disappoint the drill sergeant, you don't want to disappoint anyone, so now you're looking at yourself. So you go from being somebody that needed to be held accountable by the drill sergeant to someone that was held accountable by his teammates to now someone that's holding himself accountable so he doesn't let those other people down. Like, And to me, that really was like you create this system, created this mindset that you now care so much about accountability you're, that you're holding yourself accountable so that you don't let others down. And I really feel like that's a huge, you know, that's a, a big step in the human development process. And I needed the military. I needed basic training to show me that. I don't know if I would have learned it any other way. I was pretty hard-headed. And I really needed um, I needed that experience for me to learn how to hold myself accountable. Now, it's still something I struggle with 20-plus years later. It is not an easy thing. Accountability, especially holding yourself accountable, being honest with yourself is extremely difficult um, and it's it's difficult in leadership to hold other people accountable. But I have found a couple tools that I that I use, a couple methodologies that I use that I think have made accountability a little bit easier um, and made it a little bit more comfortable. Now we can't send everybody to basic training, so you know how how can we create some accountability within our facilities, within our teams, within our companies, our organizations? Um, we want to kind of follow. We don't want to follow the same path, but we want to get to the same place of how do we create the mentality that our team members, our staff, employees, peers, everybody, how do we get people to hold themselves accountable? That's that's what you're going for in all of this. And so since we can't all go to basic training, you know, how do we kind of create that in ourselves and our team? And how do we create an environment where accountability is looked at as a good thing? All right. So what we found you know, what I found is creating something that we now call compassionate accountability is really what we need. We don't want it to, you know, we don't want to soften it too much to where it's, you know, we don't have accountability. But we also don't want to be so rigid that it does feel like you're a drill sergeant or it does feel like you're in basic training because that won't keep people around either. There's there's a delicate balance in, in my world that's compassionate accountability. How do I show you that I care so much that I'm holding you accountable out of that care, out of that love, out of that, you know, giving a shit about you, that that's why I'm holding you accountable. Not because I want it to be my way or not because I want to be, you know, not because I said so. None of that kind of mentality. So compassion and accountability helps me keep me in the framework that I'm doing this for us and for our team and doing it out of love, doing it out of respect for you, for the position and for the job that needs to get done. So I think if we if we continue to think of compa- compassionate accountability versus just accountability, I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, and within that, there are three areas within my kind of compassionate accountability 
framework that I use. Okay, first and foremost, uh, I think a lot of people have heard me say this before, but you you promote what you permit, right? Whatever you allow to occur within your facility, within your team, within yourself, whatever you allow to occur, you are promoting that behavior with others, okay? If you allow somebody to be a no-call, no-show, and then out of you know need, out of desperation, out of the fact that you don't have somebody else to take that spot, they don't lose their job or there is no there is no punishment for them. There is no accountability for that action, right? That becomes something that other employees pay attention to, latch on to, right? If you, if you tolerate a bad employee, you will lose the good ones. That's an important distinction, right? People are paying attention to what's going on and what you're, what you're permitting. What you're allowing to occur, they'll pay attention to. And then either one of two things is going to happen when you permit, you know, poor behavior. When you permit those things, one of two things is going to happen. Either one, you have good employees that witness it, that get frustrated, and then decide to leave because they don't want to be in an environment where that behavior is permitted. And so now you're losing your good employees and now it's going to even make the problem bigger and it's going to make it more of a challenge because all that you're going to have left is bad employees because all the good ones are going to leave. And then the remaining employees they see what you allowed someone else to get away with and then they adopt those behaviors and they start to act that way because, oh, you let so-and-so get away with this. They didn't get in trouble for doing this. And, you know, employees talk to each other. They, they, they talk about whether or not there was any kind of, you know, punishment for doing that no-call, no-show or whatever it is, right? It, it, it gets, you know, all the employees talk to each other, whatever's happening, everyone's aware of almost instantaneously. So you have to, you have to be very aware of what you permit because it is, that behavior is promoted throughout the organization, whatever it is, top to bottom, facility level and up, you, um, you know, whatever behavior is, is allowed to go on, people are going to emulate, they're going, they're going to do that. So again, step one or part you know, part one of this compassion accountability equation that I use is you got to make sure that you are aware of what you're promoting by what you're permitting. Okay. So you got to pay attention to that, what you're doing. You don't want your good employees to leave and you don't want the employees that maybe could be good, start copying the bad employees. And then all of a sudden you got a real problem on your hands. The second part of this, second part of this is helping your employees to understand the why, right? We've talked about this before as well. But that's a really important part about accountability. A lot of times staff aren't opposed to doing what you're asking of them. They're not opposed, they're not opposed to doing what is required of them at all. But sometimes they don't understand why they're being asked to do something or they don't understand why they're being asked to do something a certain way or a certain amount of times or use a certain tool or anything like that. So you have to be really good about explaining the why behind what you're trying to get them to do. If they understand the why, they're going to be much more likely to complete the task. They have to understand the why. And if you don't understand the why well enough to explain it to them, then you need to go back to the drawing board. Whether that's somebody giving you the plan and you need to go back to your supervisor to understand, okay, wait a minute, I can't fully explain this. 
I'm not clear on understanding why we're doing it this way or why my staff should be doing it that way. You have to understand that. If you can't articulate it, then you don't understand the plan well enough yourself to get buy-in from the staff. So you have to understand the why and why you need them to do it and what it means for them. And if you can explain the why to them, then you're going to be able to motivate them, right? And that's going to be able to lead to accountability because now they understand why they're doing something and they're they're not robots, right? You, you don't have all these basic trainees working for you. So they will ask why. They want to understand the best, best method. I was not allowed to ask why in basic training. I just had to do it the Army's way. But these are people that have other opportunities that can go somewhere where they can be heard, where they could, you know, where someone can explain the why. So make sure you're that place that can do that for them. And another failure in this kind of understanding why area is a lot of times we fail as leaders to listen to the frontline staff. You know, the people closest to the tip of the spear a lot of times have the best information, right? They're the ones dealing with either the residents on a daily basis or the families on a daily basis or, you know, whatever challenges you're having, they're interacting with the customer or the patient or the resident more regularly than somebody that's not directly at the bedside anymore, right? And so if we need to accomplish something, And the people that actually have to accomplish it are saying, hey, this isn't the best way to do it. Here's what we think. Now, you have to be able to discern between excuses and actual challenges and reasons and then be able to solve those problems. Again, you will create a tremendous amount of loyalty and respect if you can solve the problems when they're brought to you. So as you're explaining what needs to be accomplished, if you're getting pushback, if they're saying, hey, yeah, okay, in order for us to accomplish that, we need to be able to do this, or we need this tool, or we need this piece of equipment, then the more you can listen and understand that and help them solve the problem, the better you're going to get. Now, again, you have to be able to discern there may be somebody that's just like, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we don't have enough time. Oh, we can Okay, well, here's the deal. <laughs> this is what we need to do. This is what we need to accomplish. Here's what we have to get the mission done, and we need to execute on it. So, Let's figure out how together we can get this done. Um, You have to be able to, you know, again, that compassion and accountability piece, you have to care about them. You have to hear them. But at the end of the day, you still have to be able to get the job done. And so what do you need to do in order to remove those excuses, figure out what are legitimate excuses, and then help them work through those. So, again, making sure that you guys are promoting what you permit, right? Make sure you understand that. And then making sure you're understanding helping them understand the why behind the ask. They understand exactly what you're asking of them and why and what that means for them, what it means for residents, what impact it has on everything. You guys know, I mean, most frontline staff in the facilities, they think, you know, as census goes up or anything, I mean, they just think it's a money printing machine. Like they think everything is around, managed around like, oh, we're just going to, you know, making all kinds of more money for these owners and stuff. They don't understand how thin the margins actually are. And they don't understand, you know, a lot of the other factors that weigh into things around regulatory stuff. And so helping them understand that will get you more buy-in. You know, I really, I really believe that we can do a better job of educating folks on the business side of things and understanding why certain things are asked and why we are trying to accomplish certain things. And it's not all about the money. Now, if you work somewhere where it does feel like it's all about the money, then maybe it's time to, uh, to find a new place. But, um, all right. Third thing. So, This is kind of a three-part framework that I use all the time that helps me 
as a leader and has helped me in, in every leadership position I've been in make accountability so much easier. It is, for me, it's very easy to hold someone accountable if three conditions are met. If I know genuinely in my heart that these three conditions are met, that I've done my very best to make sure these three conditions are met, then I have no problem holding anyone accountable. I have no problem asking anyone why we didn't get something done. And I have no problem making a change when it's time to make a change because I know for sure that I accomplished these three things. And for me, if I can do that, then I'm in a good place. So first and foremost, I have to provide very clear expectations. I need I need my team to understand exactly what is expected of us, what the conditions are, what the expectation is, why it's important to us, what are we going to do in order, you know, wh- what can I do to help, what do they need from me, back and forth, open communication about, okay, hey, here's the expectation, this is the mission, this is what we have to do, this is what we have to accomplish, and here's our timeline, here's what's expected of us, and Tell me what's going to prevent this from happening, right? Start that right from the beginning. Super clear, very consistent communication around the expectations. So everyone is on the same page. If I know that, that's great. I can move on to the second thing. Second thing is I have to know exactly what tools they need in order to accomplish the mission. So, And then I need to provide those tools to them. Whatever it is, within reason, (laughs) whatever it is that they need to meet the expectations that we clearly outlined in the first step, right? Whatever the, whatever the expectations are, they let me know what tools they need in order to do that. I provide them the tools, whatever those are. For me, for a long time on the sales side of things, we need to make sure people had cell phones, make sure they had laptops or, or um, tablets with Wi-Fi connectivity so they could get Wi-Fi wherever they would. They needed to be able to say yes to certain things without having to run it by the building, they had to get quick access to, you know, man, you know, getting managed care authorization and the support that they needed for that. They needed to know on a regular daily basis what our clinical capabilities and limitations were. They needed to know what our bed availability was. All of those things needed to be done in order for them to grow census. They could go out and generate referrals. They could say yes to the bedside. What could we do, you know, to meet the quickest response time possible with an accurate answer? Well, the tools they needed were all the things that I just outlined. They had those tools then they can meet the expectation above. So if they have the tools, they know the expectation. The third thing that makes accountability very easy is that you can model the behavior. So I can show you exactly what I expect of you. I can roll up my sleeves and do it alongside of you. I I will never, you know, ask anyone on my team to ever do anything that I can't do myself or I'm not willing to learn with them. So that one creates a little bit of credibility for you, but also... It, you can model the behavior for them to show them exactly how to meet that expectation, how to use those tools. So if you can do that, now all of a sudden you're like, okay, so you know exactly what to do. You have all the tools to accomplish the mission, and I've showed you exactly how to do it. Like, so now if you don't do it, like holding you accountable to that standard is very fair and very easy because we agree that we know the expectation, you know how to use the tools, you have the tools, and you've been shown how to, you've, you've, you know, we've, been, we've modeled the behavior. And so you're very capable of executing on those things. And if you're not, you've created this open communication where people can have conversations along the way to say, hey, I need help in this area. I'm not sure how to do this. I'm not sure how to do that. I don't know how to use this tool. I'm not getting this support that I need. Or, you know, with my 
with my census example that I was talking about, you know, hey, I, I can't get a response from this building in a timely manner. Or, hey, this building's clinical capabilities are really limiting us here. Or we don't have beds available. Okay, well, that's where we can go to work on that stuff, right? If there are things that are making it difficult to meet the expectation, then as a leader, you can go and try to remove barriers from them. That, again, that's where you listen to the tip of the spear. Listen to the people that are closest to the action. They'll let you know what you need. So, again, that compassion accountability thing for me, you know, again, how do I take the lessons that I learned in basic training and moving from somebody else having to hold me accountable to my brothers holding me accountable to me holding myself accountable to now this current evolution in my life is how do I help other people hold themselves accountable? And for me, that's compassionate accountability. And I think that if I show you exactly what I'm willing to permit, then you know what behaviors are going to be promoted on my team. If I can help you understand the why we need to do something, you're going to be more motivated. You're going to understand clearly what's in it for you and why we need to do this mission and what the conditions are and what we have to do to accomplish it. And then that three-part accountability piece to make it much easier on ourselves. If if you have clear, consistent communication, letting your people know what the expectation is, no, no, no question about what conditions need to be met, and you provide them all the tools they need and show them how to use those tools, and then model the behavior yourself, roll up your sleeves, being willing to do it next to them, cover for them when they're out, help them out when they get busy, all of those things. We have a lot of nurses and folks that listen, like you're able to go on the floor and show them how to do cares. You're able to show them how to, you know, whatever the expectation is, your documentation expectations, your communication with providers, all of that stuff. If you can model it, now all of a sudden, not only have you created credibility, but you've shown them exactly how to do it and that it is possible. And when you show somebody it's possible, it's really hard to tell you that it's not possible. So for me, accountability becomes much more comfortable when I, when I know without a doubt that I've done those things. When accountability, when holding somebody accountable gets messy, when it feels uncomfortable, that's a failure of leadership. I feel like the only time it's uncomfortable holding someone accountable is if you know that you didn't do one of those things. You either didn't provide them the tools, you didn't show them the way to do it, or you didn't give them clear expectations. If you didn't do those things, then it's hard to have that accountability conversation. Then it gets a little bit uncomfortable with having those conversations. It doesn't have to be. So for me, that's kind of how it works for me that, you know, when I'm leading a team, when I'm working with people, I try to meet those three conditions. When I do that every time, I feel very comfortable when we get to a place, if we get to a place where somebody needs to be held accountable or we even need to make a change with an employee or something. At the end of the day, when we sit down and have the conversation, it's not a surprise to either one of us. You know, we, we knew that this wasn't working. I've tried to give you everything I could and um, and we're, we're just we're just not getting there. And maybe it's just not going to happen. So I feel very comfortable holding people accountable when I've done that. And hopefully uh, you can too. So guys, it's a short one today. That's kind of what I have around accountability. Um, would love to get your thoughts. If you have some tools that you use, if you struggle with accountability, if there's something you've learned that's made you more comfortable with it, uh, talk to us. Or if it's something you're still not comfortable with, uh, we are happy to hear the feedback that you guys have been so graciously giving. Um, if there's anything that you guys would like to hear about, any topics, um, any questions that you have, just visit our website, Quality LHC, as in Legacy Healthcare Consulting, qualitylhc.com, and you can go to the Pillar Talk tab, and on there, you guys just drop us a line. Let us know if there's something you want to hear about. Um, 
And as always, guys, we appreciate it when you share the show. We appreciate the feedback that you give. Uh, Really grateful for everything that you guys have done and said. So appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week.